Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today, Chris Carr, is the president and CEO of Philly's fastest growing marketing agency, Farotech. Chris founded Farotech in 2001 with the idea of doing web dev solutions for small and medium-sized businesses better. In the past decade, Chris and his team have revolutionized the way inbound marketing was done concentrating on generating leads from the top of the funnel to lead acquisition. Chris has over 50 clients and a team of over 20, and I'm excited to unpack his career and life story today and how he built his agency. So enough talk, let's get to it. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing great, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, just to give everybody a little bit of context, I was on Chris's show last week, so it's nice. It's kind of like a, a home and away game, right? When the Mets right, are playing the right. Phillies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually think uh, that's gonna be a dogfight. Um, we're uh, our Phillies were not supposed to be that good, but we started out on fire, and it's been fun. It's been fun. So, are you Mets or Yankees? I'm a I'm a hardcore lifelong Mets fan, man. Okay, okay. So yeah, so we'll um we're gonna battle. You guys, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We got we got, got a doubleheader happening today. Cat. Yeah, you guys so, got cash now, so you guys are gonna be great. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna be good. But you got you got you got Harper. You got yeah. JT. You're you're good there. So let so let's dig yeah. in here. So when I was on your show, we had, we had a great time. A really fantastic yeah. episode. But you alluded to a story early in your life, um, and I'll let you tell it about your time on the mountain. Please fill yeah. us in. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like one of those things where you know when like your grandma or your something like that says, you know, you kids they just think that you're just invincible. And like a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that is absolutely sort of the tragedy that that almost took my life. And what I mean by that is, is that I was uh, I was a senior in college and uh, read a book about the Mount Everest tragedy and was a struggling high school and college soccer player and thought, you know what? Turns out that I'm a professional alpinist. I just never knew it. You know what I mean? So I uh, after I read the book, I climbed two or three mountains in Virginia thought, you know what, I'm really, really good at this. I don't need training. I don't need to read anything. What I want to do now is climb some really tall mountains in upstate New York, the Canada border, right in the middle of winter. Seems um, like a good idea. Seemed like a really good idea. Coaxed my friend into it. And um, long story short is, is we we're supposed to climb two different mountains in four days. But at the end of, at the, end of um, the morning of day two, uh, we dropped our stuff because we were going to just go to the summit of, it was called, it was a mountain called Mount Marcy. Right. How high was it? That's about 5,000 ish. All right. Not too small, and, but uh, not too big. Yeah. But it's, you know what the, the problem is when I'm going to tell you about it, it's vast. What I mean yeah. by that is just that, um, 
it's out there. In other words, like there's nowhere to go. So what happens, we got caught in a whiteout, walked down the wrong side of the mountain, tried to make a shortcut to the bottom of the mountain to get to basically find our car. And through a number of different zigs and zags, we got lost for a total of four days, man. <sighs> Covered in frostbite. Um, and you didn't like, have your you didn't have your gear with you, nothing, right? Just what was nothing, on your back. Nothing. It was this is I got rescued on February fourth. And um I mean, some of the highlights are, you know, we're walking through our river between the two mountains, broke through the river. Uh, my buddy really took the brunt of that. We climbed up the, the the mountain right next to it to see if we could see the ranger station that was supposed to be there. And when yeah. I climbed up, couldn't find it, couldn't find the ranger station, just kept going higher and higher. Got to the top, zapped, like you have zero energy, we're on empty. And I can look at the at the top of the mountain, Mount Marcy which was right ahead of us. And I was like, oh my God, the, the lodges, the ranger's station is on the other side of the mountain. We had like literally walked for a day and a half in the wrong direction. And I remember like thinking to myself, like <clears throat> I looked at him, sorry. And I was like, we're going to die here and we're going to die really bad. And you know, it, it was close. It, we uh, Severe frostbite, severe hypothermia, dehydration was the killer. Lost 20 pounds in four days got rescued on day four. Um, but just some, some crazy stories. Yeah, yeah. Like how, like, how did you, uh, man, like, like, I mean, you go to day one and you're like, shit, like we, we, we made a mistake, but when did it really hit you that this is serious? Cause like, listen, how old are you at the time? 17, 18, right? Or close? 19. I'm 19. 19. 19. Yep. And like, you still have that, that ambition and enthusiasm and you, oh, you yeah. don't, you think you know everything about life, but you really don't. And finally, for the first time in your life, you're really facing some shit. But like, yeah. when was that first time, like how far into it were you like, this is really, really serious and there's a chance we're not going to make it out? Yeah. So that's on day two when we are like, if we turn left, we could find the lodge. If we turn right, I'm sorry, if we turn right, we're going to find the lodge or we turn left. Like I knew how remote we were. And I was like, if we make the wrong choice here, it's going to cost us. And we made the wrong choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At, the, at the very least, at least you were with your friend. You I know, know I know, and, and, that, I mean, I was... and that camaraderie and that and that ability to, you know, how much did you rely on each other to to just keep yeah. keep it going and have faith and and, and there had to yeah. be times when he was down and you were down and you had to take that leadership role and say, hey man, listen, we we're going to pull through this. We are yep. not going to die in this freaking mountain. Yeah. So what happened was. I went to a school that had a January term and then the January term, we only had one class. My class was super easy. His was really hard outside of the class. All I did was train. He was like, dude, I don't have time to train. Like this class is killing me. Yeah. So on day one, I was significantly faster than him. He was equal or better than me as a climber. Right. So on day two, he says, I'm going to drop my stuff. And we're just going to touch the top. And I had all my stuff. Now he is just crushing me. He's like 40 yards ahead of me. I can barely see him. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to drop my stuff. And that's like, did you should know better. I know better now. But I was stupid enough to think that was a good idea then. And um, when 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 we got rescued, I remember the, 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 um, the ranger who talked to my parents was like they were very very lucky when you drop your stuff you're dead that's crazy yeah you know what i mean so that was crazy you know and but so on day two was the worst day but you could just you know it, it really kind of shows you and this is what i've sort of learned in life 
is like if you make decisions based upon emotional stuff, like if you can't calm yourself down to make great decisions at the time or just know cognitively now is not the right time to make critical decisions, like it's going to – Bad decisions compound each other. I'm telling you, you can have a string. It's very hard to have a string of really great decisions one after another, but I promise you, you can have a string of bad decisions and bad decisions right. and bad decisions. And 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 I talked about this with a with a previous guest. The ability to make decisions and separate fact from emotion. Yep. I think I think that's really what it comes down to. So you're here with us today. You found mm-hmm. you you can thank your lucky stars. How yeah. how much of that experience do you carry with you? You know, every single day when it comes to to just gratitude and, and living life. Yeah, you know, I was um I was actually a religious studies major in college. That's my next Had question. Real, you put me off, man. Yeah, sorry. Really got into like the poverty element and just like kind of like I learned very early, uh, in my not early, but you know, it's early now. It didn't seem early then, but like I learned what other people live like outside of the United States, and so I had this one level of appreciation. That was like kind of like the rest of the world doesn't live with the luxuries that we have. And I, I had that pretty good. Mm-hmm. What I didn't have, right, was like, you know, there's probably a guy in a, in a wheelchair would die to have what you have on your best day. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And so like literally when I was looking at my feet and at my hands, we were like, these are going to go. If we yeah. make it out, we're not going to have hands and feet. It's a, cre- a crazy thought to have. And, yep. and we and, were okay with it. Like, I just wanted to live. Just wanted to live. I mean, imagine yep. imagine that thought in your head be like, damn, I'm, I'm, all, all I care about is living and making it to the next day. And I, yep. it, like, like that thought when you're okay, when you come to a place in your mind where you're like, I'm going to lose my hands and feet. Like, that's, that, I mean, that mm-hmm. that's other insanity. And we could spend the whole podcast yeah. talking about that. Just, but I, let I me really just, do want to. I'll tell you one other thing about it, though. And this is the start that the part that gets a lot of people is like, you were incredibly thirsty and you ever heard that like the uh, rhyme of the ancient mariner like it's like water water everywhere not a drop to drink if you're climbing you can drink you can eat snow if you're sedentary like where we were like dug into a hole like trying to survive the night you can't because it lowers your body temperature and on like the final day like we had like hallucinated that we walked in also like that but i just remember him like telling me like my buddy clint like telling me like I don't think I'm going to make it. And this is what you need to tell my dad. And this is what you need to tell my mom. Those conversations. I'm, I'm like, oh my. Those come to Jesus gosh. moments when you're literally going yeah. to like spill yep. your guts, your last yep. words. And I'm just like, if I live, I'm like, oh, I talked your son into this. This is what he wanted you to know. That's crazy. <laughs> like, what and have I done? <laughs> you, you and Clint still super close? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every every February 4th, like we'll talk for about an hour. He lives in D.C. I live in Philly. Yeah. And um. Yeah, so, he's sort of the earth guy, like one of the best guys on the planet. And 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 you're obviously here with us today. And when you came back, like how much more focused were you on the religious studies? Were you more focused or like did it deepen your belief in faith and God yep. that you survived or was it the opposite? You know what? I Here's the, the hard part is I wanted to say, oh, my gosh. And that was the moment where it just all became real and stuff like that. You know, um, I was I was kind of like waiting for the mountain story to actually like have a dividend in my thought life and stuff like that. I don't know how to describe it. Like I I didn't I didn't get there. I mean meaning I wouldn't say I felt like God took us to the brink and I felt like looking back he'd always sort of just was like a, a step ahead of me. I believe in God by the way. And I believe he was like a step ahead of me. 
but I didn't have this like I don't know how to describe it. Like I didn't have this like Damascus Road light from heaven type experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just had literally like a subtle realization right like afterwards that that he was like carrying me but i'm telling you like i i found myself doubting a lot like like because i thought i just thought i just thought we're gonna die that's that's crazy and and you come back and 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 you get back into school you make it you know your your goal to to travel and you know you've really been to some interesting places around the world and as you mentioned before seeing the other side of the coin Right. Yep. I mean, where do you where do you feel that you made the biggest impact and, and, and how? Yeah, um, well, a couple different things um, came back from that. Uh, then that couple months later, um, we went overseas, I lived in Honduras, was building houses after Hurricane Mitch, got to see some the way the rest of the world lives. You know, that was one big impact thing. A couple of years later, went got home, went to Africa, and that was just a whole nother level and got really into like clean water stuff. Mm -hmm. Started a charity called Wheels for Wells. Uh, We rode our bikes up the coast twice, about 400 miles, really cool. Met my business partner there. It's my business partner to this day. And like, it's like a full circle thing. I I was dating my, dating my my now wife in that process too. And so in a very weird way, these two years where I created this thing called Wheels for Wells, that was where it was like pieces of my life were just all sort of intersecting. My business was intersecting, my wife, my, you know, like my my charity. It was all sort of just colliding with each other. It was it was amazing. And looking back on that now, when you, when you think about the experience that you had on the mountain, when you think about where that led you to in your life from your charitable, your giving back, your faith, your religious side, you know, how, how much of that went into transferring into the corporate, into the corporate world and, and starting an agency? Like, like were there values that you said, you know what, and we'll get to the story in a minute, yeah. uh, you know, Farrowtech, where you're like, you know, I'm, my company, whatever I do in life professionally, I need to ensure that these values stay with me and are at the, at the core of everything I do. Tell us a little yeah. bit about how that resonates with you. Yeah. So you can actually check out our website. We have it's, this program called Grow to Give. And Grow to Give is basically we kind of say, you know what? Not all this money is our own. You know, we feel extremely blessed. I believe in like the abundance principles. 100%. And so what happens here is a fraction of our revenue goes to um, education overseas and then clean water projects. We work with a company called Edify and Compassion Corps. Uh, we have the luxury to go over there a couple times to see what we built. It's pretty. It's been pretty, pretty cool. So Wheels for Wells, unfortunately, we created four wells, no, three wells, and Within two years, the Taliban had taken every single one of them. Son of a bitch. I know you were not kidding. <laughs> Motherfuckers. I know. Damn Taliban. It's taking my water. But it's, crazy. it's, resili- it's resilience, right? It's resilience and the, and the fight to go back and build it again and ensure that these people yeah. have the, the pure, the element water. And like, you know more than anybody, right? Like, yeah. and you go back to the time in the mountain, you're like, shit, like things you take for granted. Right? Like a water, yeah. water. When you don't have it and to the point of death like you get it you you truly understand yep. it right you're not yeah. you're not Girls some celebrity don't... out there that's taking you know selfie pics in in africa next to the starving kids just for the publicity no no you're doing this yeah. it's genuinely ingrained in your soul through life experiences 
yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's. I, I thank you for that. I mean, it makes me sound a little bit more noble than I. And I try to go back every year to kind of relight. No, but it's real. Lamp. That's your story. That's you. Relight the lamp because if you get away from it, you know what I mean. Like I don't know how to describe it. Like you just you gotta you gotta like I'm refresh gonna... yourself with it because the stories just don't get real. You know, there's an organization called Charity Water. If you yep. watch any of their videos, you get it again. In other words, it's like this like. You just get reminded or refreshed on like what's kind of what's real. You know what I mean? Um, but like the impact of water was nuts over there in the aspect of like girls, women um, just carried water all day. They didn't get to go to school. They didn't get to do these things. That's what they did. But if you could like build it in their town, it didn't like just change. Oh, gosh, we got water. It changed everything. It was the like water is like their life. Yeah. That's crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. So Yep. So let's let's let let's pivot and let's mm -hmm. let's fast forward and you know so twenty years ago you began tinkering with digital marketing SEO and everything yep. else it took to, you know build that early internet one point you know what what have you seen as the biggest innovation in digital marketing in the last twenty years like that one, mm -hmm. key thing that you're like wow looking back on it, I can't believe that we're we're here now. Yeah, you know I mean I think the the low hanging fruit is social media. You know I was there before Facebook. I remember mm -hmm. I remember MySpace very well. Yeah. You know you and Tom are boys. Yep. Yeah, me and Tom are boys. <laughs> didn't leverage social media until I had to. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously that's that's the given one, and that's not going to anybody in your who's listening to the show is not going to be like, oh well, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would say that the biggest thing that that's impacted us right now is like kind of the idea of like putting cookies on people's computers, tracking their engagement, lead scoring them, automation, all that stuff. Um, that is where we've brought a lot of value to our clients. And that is something that I couldn't even dream of that years ago. And I especially thought the big guys could do it and the small guys couldn't. And that was just not true. Yeah. We've, dem we've democratized that. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So where, where did, you know, where did Ferrotech come from? Tell us, tell us a real quick origin story. Dude. I mean, I had weird one. Um, uh, I remember my friend saying, Hey man, I'm going to send you an email. And I was, it was 1997. I'm like, what is an email? He's a like, what? it's a letter that we can send <laughs> to a computer. I'm like, what are you talking about? Crazy. So anyhow, long story short, I just wanted to let you know how old I am. But when I was my senior in college, fell in love with this girl, we broke up at the Casanova that I am thought, Hey, you know what? If I could build a website and put her artwork on it, like that's, you know, like she's going to see how much the, how powerful that is and she's going to take me back. Well, long story short, I didn't do anything wrong, but we just broke up and anyhow, that was my that was my dream. But keep in mind, like building a website for somebody in 1999, that was that was hard work. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. the amount of heavy lift. I I remember I was I was yeah. in college, I was taking some courses and we're learning about the internet. Yeah, you had to and learn websites code. and AOL learn, and all that. Yeah. Yep. Hired a guy with no money, he didn't do it. Hired the next guy, no money, didn't do it. <laughs> And I was like, the hell with it. You know what? I'm going to learn it myself. Six months later, I know how to build websites. Haven't talked to the girl ever since. That that idea, that concept's long gone. Built a website for a fantasy soccer league. Um, I played soccer. Fantasy soccer league. The local university, um, the athletic organization said, hey, that's a cool website. wonder whether you could build it for our university. This is how like new the web is, right? Whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. First so that turned into like, there. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so one one job turned into two jobs. Two jobs turned into five jobs. Five jobs turned into employees. Employees turned into, you know, brick and mortar. It turned into you name it. You know what I mean? The rest is history. The rest is history. And like, 
we just celebrated our 20 year anniversary. And, and the joke I, I say is that, you know, it's like after 20 years, I'm officially an overnight success. I love I, I I love that quote and and for me that's been resonating a lot lately, the the mm -hmm. concept of overnight success because people only see the tip of the iceberg right Chris they oh, only God. see they only yeah. see this they don't they don't see what's gone behind it and I think today with yep. the with the 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 you know the influencers and image and optics and everything I think we're doing a real injustice to mm -hmm. a lot of the young people out there and and you know my wife and I really make a, a conscious effort to show our kids what real work ethic is. And my daughter's on TikTok and she sees it all. I'm like, just because yep. Charlie D'Amelio has, I mean, Charlie D'Amelio is not a great example because I know for a fact that she puts in the work, right? Yeah. Like there's other ones out there that buy the followers, they buy the likes and everything. Yep. I'm like, these are called optics. And in this day and age, yeah. you could fake a lot. You could you fake, fake success. Yeah, but when man. the rubber hits the road, nope. that's when we see it, right? When you, when you get in the ring. Yeah, I know. And it's weird because, you know, like I joke around because people are like, dude, I wish I could. I wish I started my own business. I was like, do you? Because when you bought a house, I was working. When you got married, I was working. When you had kids, I was working. And I'm not talking about like working 40 hours. I'm talking about working 40 hours and then working 40 hours. You know what I mean? Like that's all I did. You put in and the work. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, no not saying, I'm not no saying I'm brave. Work. I'm saying it doesn't get done unless you do it. And so I sacrificed a good 14 years of my life prior, you know, of the 20 that was just nonstop work. Looking back on it, any regrets? Yep. No, you know, I mean, it's like, there's like, it's one of those things where I, I think it's like, um, I don't know, one of the, not Michael Jordan, but it's, it's one of those like sports memes. He probably didn't even say it, but he probably gets attributed to saying it. it's like everyone, like no one regrets, regrets the lessons they learned from hard work. They never, no one's, no. you know what I mean? Like, do I wish I had it easier? Yeah, but I wouldn't have learned the same lesson. No, you know what I mean? No. So, you know, I, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish, I would, if I knew that I was going to like have to like learn how to walk again and, and, and my, all the stuff when I was in the mountains, I would still do it. It was awful. It was scary as hell. Right. But like, because I lived and I learned, like, it was like, you know what? I wouldn't trade it. I actually, those are your stories. Those are your Yeah, you know, I know. It's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Like I can't even. I wouldn't trade anything. I mean, you can't. I know. I know. That's what's like, so listen, weird. like those mistakes, you look back and you're like, shit, I wish I did this differently. I wish I did that differently. But one, a, you can't do anything about it, right? Like once you kind of get past that, but you yeah, got, man. you got to, you got to build on it. So hey, tribe! Quick break in the action to introduce you to one of my close podcast friends, Hala Taha, and her show, The Young and Profiting Podcast. She interviews the brightest minds in the world, like former spies, on how to gain influence billionaires on biohacking your body, and even celebrities like Matthew McConaughey on what it's really like behind the scenes. At Yap, they go deep. There's no fluff on this podcast, and Hala asks all the right questions. You can listen at youngandprofiting.com or search for Young and Profiting on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the action on the podcast. So Chris, you're, you're a fantastic storyteller and it's really etched into pretty much every nook and cranny in your company and, and a big difference in what differentiates you from the other companies. When, when did you first realize, A, that you're a natural storyteller and B, the power of storytelling in business as a differentiator? You know- um, It's a two-parter in our business. Yeah, exactly. You know what's weird is like how you learn from it on the other side. And what I mean by that is, is that there were certain tactics of the way I explained our sales approach, or I could lead people 
into questions that I knew the answer before they could get there. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was like a form of storytelling that was like in a question and answer format. You, even you though told me I on knew... your show, you've been telling me on your yeah. show. I didn't mean to drop, but you told me that you've been working on your sales pitch for twenty years. <laughs> I love it. It's four hundred and five slides long. I don't show all four hundred and five, but I, I have a story for every slide. Yeah. But like what I started to do is I started to do my craft, hone my craft, figure out what's working and what's not. Then I got the guy who does sales with me. We do a lot of combined sales after the call. He's like a student of the craft too. And so he'll figure out, Hey, I liked how you said this, or I didn't say that. And others, we measure everything. So like, I think what happens is that you look at Seinfeld, you look at Bill Burr, you look at great comedians and you think that the the 30 minutes they're on stage, that that's the first time they've ever told that joke. <laughs> they've told that joke Workshop, three right? times every night for the last like nine years that, that Seinfeld made millions and millions and millions of dollars off of 30 minutes of jokes. Oh, no. And it's only the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what happens here is, is that your storytelling, the more you do it, the better you get. But what I am is I'm a student of it. And so like I've read – I love it. How to build a story brand. I've read a number of different books on story so that I can adapt my story to make sure that there's certain emotional levers I'm trying to pull in you. And if I'm doing it right, you don't even know that I'm selling you. Exactly. And and branding is the art of differentiation. How do you, how do yep. you stand out? Because what you do, technically, your agency is not unique. You could go on Fiverr yep. and get it done for what you do. There's a million yep. agencies that do that. But why... Do clients want to work with Chris and his team? It's because of the yeah. people, it's because of your reputation, and it's the work ethic. And those those are what you know differentiate you. So when it comes to hiring folks for your team, tell us a little bit about your 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 approach, your style, those pieces mm -hmm. that you look for aside from the skills. I mean, the skills are, are a table setter. Yeah. You, know, you gotta have certain skills for certain jobs. And I'm tired of that crap all over LinkedIn, character over skill. Yes, of course. But people are going to need to have certain skills for certain jobs. But tell us a little bit about your approach to how, how you build a team in the culture at Fowertech. Let me dispel one thing. Please. I have not run into the super entitled employee disasters that you hear all over the web. I'm sure they're there. And I'm sure that when you hire them, that could have been a problem. But I think that there's just like this really cool thing to say that there's a whole generation of people out there. The millennials are lazy. You know, you know what I mean? Whatever. That has not been my experience. Do you screen them well? Yeah, sure. But one of the things that we do is, is that we do the classic resume stuff in the beginning just to make sure that they're not a dud and that they communicate and do all that stuff. But when I get it down to like my final three, they have to come and they take my sales presentation. They have to take 10 minutes of my sales presentation and they have to present it back to me and my, me, my business partner and my directors, like literally in front of us. With a face mask on right now, which is crazy, right? They're already nervous and you know what I mean? They're, it, it's, mm -hmm. So I make them do that. And then after they do that, I give them a problem that one of my clients might have. I might say, this is my client. They're having a problem with bounce rate. They're having a problem with their, their messaging, whatever it is. Like, here it is. Come back to me with a report to let me know that you know what the problem is and what you do about it. That's key. And anybody that pushes yeah. back on that, I mean, I, you know, I'm in the recruiting yeah. business in there. I've had candidates push back and say, oh, I don't want to do an assignment. I'm not doing that. Pay me for it. There's a difference between, you know, yeah. giving somebody a long-term assignment that's going to take hours and hours and hours versus something that might take, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, one hour, just to show that you have the ability and skill on the flip side of it. There's mutual interest on both sides. Show me that you're yeah. committed to this. Show me that yeah. you could do it. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that's going to push back. We have to, we have to kowtow to every candidate out there. It's a two-way street. I, 
I personally bill out at $500 an hour. I'm giving you 20, 20 years of my slide deck, like all the knowledge I have in one hour. If you're ungrateful for that, then fine. This is not the place for you. Like I have you don't five it. interns every single quarter that are working for free. And when I paid them, I got less results than when I did it for free. And I'm not saying that I'm trying to get out of these people. What I'm trying to say is, is that the people that recognize that this is a tryout, mm -hmm. they work for me now. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't put them on client work. I literally put them all on Fairtech marketing work. Yeah, but still, like, I find out very quickly what you're about. Is there? Do you have a couple of like go-to interview questions? Um, you know, it's a very weird one, and you know, I I, I don't know where you kind of stand on this, but I asked you, what do you like, cats or dogs? Okay. <laughs> I know it and sounds is weird. there? Is there? Wait, before yeah. I, before I give you my take on it, is there a right or wrong answer? There's not. I think that there's a genuine level of when I'm a when I'm a um, when I'm a dog person, like I'm a little bit more open, and so therefore they're the type of people I've seen that trust has to be lost. It's not earned. <laughs> Cat people, <laughs> the people that says, so, you know what, I don't trust you, but you can earn my trust. <laughs> so let me, like so let me, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you this: Are you a cat or a dog person? I'm a dog person, but my okay. wife. Um, okay, so we it's a positive. Yes, sir. So pause yep. on that. So you're a cat person. You're asking a question. Do you think that that is that is biased? Do you think that you're you're now making biased judgments based on that? And I'm not. Um, yep. We're not talking. You know, right? Like you're you're making a judgment on that. Yeah. So is that a fair? Is that a fair question to ask based on your it's, own? because you're making yeah, you a judgment what? based on your personal preferences about yep. somebody who might have the opposite view, even though that opposite view might not be right or wrong. Yep. Yep. But this is where I'm leading you. On, this is where I'm leading you into something. It's not your answer. It's how you answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with your answer. It's just that what I've done is if I tell you, hey, you know what? Tell me what you think about Facebook. You're gonna you're gonna try to impress me. When I tell you what you think about dogs or cats, you know what? It's like it opens up a door because some people are cat people, some people are dog people. It's gonna get and it's gonna genuine. tell me it tells me about you. It doesn't tell I could care less about your pets. Yeah, yeah you're, <laughs> and people you're gonna, that don't have pets, I could care less too. Gonna, but you do have gonna, an opinion. <laughs> and and, and That's it's what interesting. I like. And it's interesting. You said the word opinion. And one of one of the key lessons that I learned early on when I was working in digital strategy from one of my greatest mentors, Justina uh, Amakwa, she taught me to have a point of view in everything that I did in marketing and strategy. Have a point yeah. of view. Sometimes you're gonna be right, sometimes you're gonna be wrong, but stick to it and be able to mm -hmm. back it up. Yep. And that's something that I that I really, you know, value and, and, and carry with me. So, you know, moving forward a bit, you know, 20 years, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. If you had to look back on one moment in the last 20 years that you're the most proud of as far as a business owner and someone who's created a business, what would that be? Um, I have like these like small ones, you know, like these aha moments, like we'll have Christmas parties and I'll look out and it'll be that. It'll be all it'll be all the people that work for us and their families and there's just a lot of people in a room and me and my business partner it's like a humbling moment you're like you know what if we didn't have if I didn't have this silly idea there's like 50 families here multiplied by their kids and stuff like that you're like dude it just it was a stupid idea and now look it's like it's mushroomed into people's lives like their livelihoods their, that. and that's a really that's a really fun thing is, is you get to invest in people. And, and the other thing too is, I mean, you spend so much of your time working shoulder to shoulder with people. And like our company does pretty well financially. I'm pretty excited about that. But like my point is, is that like you're going to work so many hours that it's like, I'm, 
at the end of my life, I'm going to be able to say, I got to work with some really fun, really great people. I've never hired someone I couldn't have a beer with. You know yeah. what I mean? And, if they drank, you know thing, what I mean? I'm just yeah, saying like, that's, that's the thing too. Like you only live this life once and you got, yeah. it sounds so, it sounds so freaking cliche, but like you, you want to make a count. You want to be surrounded by people that you like. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a good policy. Just to have a no asshole policy in company. Like you yeah. don't want to work with assholes. You don't want to work with people you don't want. Um, how, how have you kept, you know, that culture and vibe alive? Uh, you know, during COVID when people are not together in the office, mm-hmm. how do you kept that uh, spirit, man? Yeah. Well, we, um, we are critical about culture. What I mean by that is, is that there's not a single week that we don't have a manager tracker meeting where we have talk about cultural thing. Like mm-hmm. what do we do to impact culture? The one that we did that was pretty unique is there's a company called fringe. Have you ever heard of fringe? Uh, no. So fringe is imagine, um, like a place that has gift cards tons and tons of gift cards, but it's all like virtual gift cards. And every like everything that you could do to call out people or whatever that is, I'm gonna put 20 points in your fringe account or whatever it is, and that's gonna get you free Grubhub or it's gonna get nice. you shoes at Sephora or whatever it is, right? So you're putting all these like little monetizations in there. And so when we have to have like virtual all team meetings, mm-hmm. we'll have like quizzes and games for fringe points and stuff like that. And it's just like, Pretty oh, nice. you know what? You name every Harry Potter movie. Guess what? You just got yourself a free lunch. You know what I mean? Like just I some. Like yeah, I mean some, these some are things dumb, you're doing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what's what's yep. what's the return to work plan at Farotech? Well, I mean, we were partially virtual anyway. I think one of the things that we're looking to do is from a sales environment to I'm anxious to get to a mask-free America. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm I'm ready to jump the gun, but selling behind a mask is so countercultural to how I exist. It's like, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I feel like I've been like in a, you know, when David Blaine was like in like a glass case, like I was here, <laughs> but I was nothing I could do. You yeah. know what I mean? Ironically, we sold like crazy, but I, I wouldn't, if I could go back and, and take all those sales away and just have my old life again, I would, I would do that. Like, I hate the shackles of this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our back to work plan for us really is, is slowly but surely getting clients back in that's the gauge of our so much of this this office and stuff like that this is a heavy duty sales office there's a video studio right there we dumped a ton of money into our our conference room um and we have a little bit of like a show like when you come in it's gotcha hawk and pa but we wanted to feel like manhattan we, we did some ritz carlton stuff about how like my my assistant meets you at the elevator and we walk you up and when you walk in the door um, someone asks your coffee order and then you meet my business partner. My business partner shows you the video studio. And then by that time, your coffee's waiting for you. I show you our innovation lab. And it's like this dance that we create so that before I've even said anything about my company, you should have had that wow experience before I even said a word. Yeah, and, it's and that cool. sets the stage, right? And and you don't have that ability right now. And that's that's, that's that. And, and, but, yet, but that's also forced you to find innovative new ways to Correct. continue to tell your story and engage your current clients and and build yep. and build new business. So, um, I want to touch on the podcast for a minute. Uh, 2018, you launched Thought Leader Magazine, which hosts a bunch of different podcasts and conversations with thought yep. leaders. What what made you you know say all right, we're gonna we're gonna take this jump into into podcasting? Yeah, was it a business need or was it like a personal need to continue that theme of storytelling? Um, or both, all of the above. See. 20 yeah 20 years in my business partner allows me to do stuff that i just want to do sometimes i selfishly want to meet really cool people that's you know what i mean like meaning i want to build genuine relationships with really cool people have really great conversations and if business comes from it 
it became organic and it was real. Mm-hmm. Like I hate, I hate when people have an agenda. And so one of the number one things I try to do is not to have an agenda. One of the things that does happen is, is that nine times out of 10, when I leave um, a conversation like this, I proactively, like even you, and this is going to happen, you're, you're, you're going to have to, putting my, my, my money where my mouth's at, like when I leave, you're going to get two emails of two introductions. I'm not asking you to do anything for me. I'm going to, I'm going to give that to you. So my interview turns into action items and my action items cement that relationship. Like I'm not looking to get from you. I'm looking to give to you. And if I get back from you, that's great. Chris, and, you and truly, this, this karma thing just works. You <laughs> truly understand the long game and you truly understand the concept of relationship karma. And that's why you and I are connected here today. So let's, let's bring it home. Um, yep. What is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Um, don't try to be great at all things. And what I mean by that is, is that um, I haven't read my own email in 13 years. Like my assistant checks my email for me. And we have meetings about my communication. Because what happens here is, is that if you, if you're always trying to work on your weaknesses, you never really have time for your, to double down on your strengths. And so my thesis, every, man. Yeah, every time I'm talking, please, uh, it, it, I'm gonna hear this in a humble way. Every time I'm talking, we're making money. If I'm reading my email or I'm scheduling on a calendar or I'm doing this stuff, the company's not making money. And so I can look like a very successful, well-rounded individual or the company can grow, but I can't do both. That's just, I, I learned seven years into this game. You know what? Let's win. I'd rather mm-hmm. win. <laughs> What's it in like uh white men can't jump? It's like, would you rather like look bad and lose <laughs> or, you know, you know, he says something like that. It's like, look, look would you rather look bad and win yeah. or look good and lose? <laughs> so, I'm like, I'd rather look bad and win. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you, man. And, you know, yeah. what would you say, you know, what would you say is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you who you are? Yeah. I size, I size up situations like from a marketing perspective. Like it's, it's one of the things that drive my wife nuts. What I mean by that is like, I, I walk by a billboard and I can look at font hierarchy and just be like, Oh my gosh, you're killing me. I can look at messaging. Yep. I, I can watch a movie and be like, that guy's dead. <laughs> I can, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like I, know, I, I size it up, sense, man. Yeah. And, it, and the nuance of it, like, unfortunately my wife also sees like the glare on the right inner peripheral because I'll have to look it up on the spot to find out whether I was right. It's like, it drives her nuts. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a brutal, like, nervous tick of like yeah you know no that's that's good man and like i i'll tell you one story real quick is is this i have this story i'm trying to tell about the chick-fil-a cows and i don't know you're familiar with this but the chick-fil-a cows did we talk about this in my last podcast no i don't think so no like when you chick-fil-a has billboards and it's cows that say right right okay right right and like what i said earlier is is that when we like a story enough we will our mind will detach details from it and we won't even care. The reality is, is that dairy cows, there's no threat to dairy cows. But the thing is though, is, is that beef cows are black and dairy cows are white, but the white cows sell better. So they put dairy cows telling you to eat more chicken. But where I'm trying to get with this is, is that I had, I spent 20, almost 20 different websites trying to find out was I right about dairy cow, beef cow phenomenon. 
my wife is like, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, obsessive. I just need to know <laughs> whether yeah. I'm on to something Google, here. And I'm like, and I know I'm right. <laughs> exactly. Google, yeah. Google was built for you. And you know, yeah, man. I, I, I love your story. I love what you built there. And Thanks, it's man. been amazing to spend time with you and, and get to know you on when I was on your show, you're on my show now. Um, yep. And all of us have a compass. All of us have uh, a North Star that guides us. So mm -hmm. when you look back on your life and you were on that mountain, you were stuck on that mountain, you thought you were going to die, you literally lost your compass. And you yeah. had to find that North Star inside of you to pull you up and harness that inner tenacity to survive, to literally not freaking die on that mountain. Yeah. And on the other side of it, we're sitting here talking today. You're alive, yeah. you're healthy, family, company, success, and you want to show gratitude. Chris Carr, what is your North Star? Well, I mean, I think the easy one is just to kind of say, you know, it's, it's just my faith. You know, I, um, I learned that at a, at a younger age. I felt like kind of like that, that subtle whisper and I was able to quiet the noise of life to hear that. And while it can be challenging from time to time to continue to do that, it's just like every time I feel like with my life, like every time I stray, it's just like, it's almost like you've seen that joke about like the moms that have like a leash uh, on their kids in the mall. Like whether I like it or not, that leash is always there. And um, it's, it's, it's helped me in ways I can't even express. Yeah. I love it, man. Chris, thanks for yeah. joining us today. Yeah, man. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Where could folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Yeah, so uh, you can hit me up at info at fairtech.com. I think one of the things that I can't stand is when my competitors or, or people that have marketing agencies, they say, hey, schedule a consultation, and then they just try to sell to you. I'm like a very value-based salesperson. And what I mean by that is, is that if you, you spend an hour with me, I will have dissected a ton about your marketing, a ton about your website, a ton about your approach. And you might leave that session. I might not even ask a single question about who we are and what we do, unless you ask me. You're just going to get value. And so if you are interested and just want to know the first steps or something like that, my time is free for you. Just just come there and just let us do it. your work. I We have worked so hard to make that a wow experience that I, I think you'd be really impressed. I dig it, man. Chris, thanks for joining yep. us today. Yeah, Thanks again. And to everyone it's listening fun. along, we appreciate your time as well. I hope you learned a lot from my conversation with Chris. If you like this episode, please leave a rating, review, share it. It goes a long way. You know where to find all of our content the podcast and the live shows at thepodcast.com we appreciate you remember take care of each other stay six feet apart keep washing your hands let's get let's get let's be done with this freaking corona thing guys and remember catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast take care everybody wisdom is forever but for us it's time to go thank you for joining us Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>